Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. It is almost officially time to put up your lights. Some of you have already done it. It is officially the most wonderful time of the year, at least the week where, where this starts. And uh, many of us are going to enjoy some incredible foods, maybe enjoy some family traditions. And um, for my family, I have one request each time, and it's our special cream corn recipe. Oh yeah, there's so much sugar in it, it may as well be apple pie at the end of meal, but it looks like a vegetable and it comes out to the table and it is amazing. It is amazing. And it's one of our traditions. It's something that I am so excited. I maybe have it two or three times a year, but this is the time where I get to have that special thing because I, I grew up with it and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And as these days and, and uh, coming weeks take place, at some point, around the table, there's going to be a phrase or something that's going to happen for many of us, and it's going to be something like, what are you thankful for? What, what are you grateful for? What, what is it? And if you have younger kids, you may find that you are actually helping them discover why they should be thankful. You might actually be coaching them along in this process. And the question is, why? Why on earth would we have to actually teach gratefulness or thankfulness? Well, um, I, I, there was this article I thought was fascinating from a woman who wrote a book. on. Um, it's entitled The Gift of Thanks by Margaret Visser. And she cites a study, I'm going to read it here, um, which observes how parents teach their kids, their children, to say things like hi, thanks, and goodbye. And the children in the study spontaneously said hi 27% of the time, goodbye 25% of the time. And get this, they said thanks only 7% of the time. So parents actually had to prompt their children to say hi. 28% of the time. They had to prompt their children to say goodbye 33% of the time. And get this, they had to tell their children to say thanks 51% of the time. So she writes, in conclusion, children had much more difficult time learning to say thanks. Most children have to learn to say thank you even before they know what it means. And then she states, eventually, when children have matured, and been further educated, they will come to be able to feel the emotion that the words express. The words come first, and the feelings come later. That that statement alone, I thought, man, you could preach a sermon on that, that the words come first and the feelings later. And perhaps this applies to us as adults as well. And based on this research, she concludes that learning to be thankful involves a steep learning curve. She writes, in our culture, Thanksgiving is believed to be, for most children, the very last of basic social graces they acquire. Children have to be brought up to say they are grateful. The verb is passive. They are brought up. They do not bring themselves 
up. This is just amazing to think. And, and I started to think about this, thinking, come on, that's, that can't be true. And then I thought of myself as a child. And then I thought, this is true. And I, I mean, I can remember, you know, I was, I'm the middle child. And some of you now, you're like, okay, that makes sense. And I, I remember, you know, hearing my, my parents or somebody saying, okay, what are you thankful for? And I'm like, you know, I'm a boy and just sitting there going, I don't know. And then I hear my sister start saying things. And then I would repeat what my sister said. And I, I mean, I was cheating, I guess. I looked off her test in a way. But, you know, I was trying, I w- I was trying to understand. And, and, I, and I remember, and I just remember thinking, yeah, so what? I, I, yeah, I have a house. I, I didn't understand. I, I, just, I just didn't, it, like, like what uh, Margaret Visser is saying, I, it's like you, you learn the words, but you just, the understanding isn't there yet. And, and um, as I was thinking about this and as I was, was writing this this week, I, I thought back to a time when my kids were really young. And so this probably was in 06, 07. We were living in Hutchinson at the time. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I just, I remember this moment where I was so frustrated with my children. And some of you may be offended that I did this, and, and I'm sorry. This probably wasn't my, my most stellar moment as a parent, but I had enough. Have anyone ever had enough? Had enough. I had enough. And Jaina was working, and I was making food, and Okay, I'm not saying the kids are complaining because I make food. I do pretty good. I can, I can hold my own in the kitchen. But for whatever reason, they were so ungrateful. Now, they, I'm not even saying that they're ungrateful today, okay? They're, they're not. But in this moment, as these young children, they were ungrateful. And I just started to boil over, and I was so mad. And at that time, we had a, a computer at the kitchen counter, and... I made them come to the computer, and I started looking up. And again, try not to judge too heavily. I was, I was a young man. I was alone. And I started looking up images of malnourished children. And I sat my kids in front of that screen... And I'm like, no, you get back here. No, where you go, you get back here. And I made them look. And I was just, I was so upset in, in this moment. And it was the only way that at that moment that made sense to me of how can I teach gratitude? How can I teach that, what, that you, you have a blessing here? And my youngest in a tiny, tiny two-year-old sweet voice said, Dad, this makes my tummy hurt. And I, I mean, at that moment, it was like the faucet turned on, and I'm, I'm like, okay, that, that, that's too much for me to bear, bear. Let's, you know. But at the same time, I was thinking, Do you, did this help? Did this, did this give some kind of a glimpse to, to where you're at, that, that you're okay, that maybe you don't like this food, maybe it's not your favorite but you're going to be okay. And, and I, I, was, I was thinking about this, and, 
And as much, and maybe in my error, that might not have been the best way of doing it, I was trying to teach something that I didn't quite know how to teach. And, and really, you know, I've said this uh, before when it comes to um, parenting, especially, and pe- people get really nervous about that talk, the serious birds and bees talk with parents. And I try and encourage parents that, that you don't have to have a singular talk, even though in my family, kind of our little tradition, we do it, we make something fun of it. And, um, but really, it's just a lot of little talks that end up helping children. You hear something on the news, they see something, they start asking questions, you answer it, and you're teaching them along the way. And I think what I had lost sight of as a young parent is that this is a gradual thing. It doesn't have to happen in this one moment. And I I was so concerned about this one moment that they have to learn this and teach us, but really, this gratitude is, is something that they are learning through the process. And for us as Christians... It's part of the process as well. Generally speaking, as people, we are hopefully taught gratitude, right? And thankfulness. And generally, you can tell people who are not. But as Christians, our story doesn't stop at thank you or I appreciate that. We are to be people of gratitude. We are, we are to embody gratefulness. It is supposed to be who we are. And we discover as Christians that our lives are a much bigger story than our immediate desires and wants and needs. Your life is a much bigger story. As Christians, we have determined in our hearts that our story is a part of more than our narrative, but God's narrative. Maybe You think that you uncovered God's love for you. But in fact, God has revealed it to you. He has opened up your spiritual eyes through his spirit. And we learn in this process that we have actually sinned against God. And that our only avenue for restoration is through Christ our Lord. Which brings Thankfulness, which brings gratitude. As we grow in Christ, we become more like him, making us less selfish because he did what? Gave himself for us. As his adopted children, we become more and more like our father. Gratitude is more than what we do, it's who we are. One of the Christian's core characteristics is gratitude. Because without it, one will not be able to actually accept Christ at all. We're appreciative. We're indebted to him. We're thankful. It abounds in the hearts of the believer. But why? Because the Christian recognizes that Christ took our place. The Christian recognizes that without the intervention of Jesus, we are are lost. So gratitude is our best first step towards Christmas, and it is central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to start with uh, the book of Joshua today in chapter 4. 
And um, we have a couple of gentlemen who are patiently waiting in the back. Would you take those rocks, those bucket of rocks, and start just, I don't know how you want to pass them out. Don't throw them, please. Um, I, I thought to myself I should be careful of passing out rocks in case I uh, do a bad job. I hear in some places that... <laughs> That's right. He who is out without sin casts the first stone. Thank you. Just remember that, people. I'm going to start reading, and you can take your stone. Joshua chapter 4, starting at verse 1. When the whole nation had, had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to jo- Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called the twelve men, He had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites. So we got the twelve. Verse 6, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, What do you do, or what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Verse 8, so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at that spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. So in Joshua chapter 4, what we just read here, why did God have each of the tribes take a boulder, put it on their shoulder, and start carrying it out? I mean, if, if I were crossing this river Jordan, I would want to hightail it out of there. I'm just happy that I'm past it. I'm happy that I'm through on dry ground. Last thing I want to do is potentially go back, grab a boulder, and now I'm running back out. Well, he, he tells us here, God explains to him why this is important. And it wasn't important for the people who were experiencing it. Although it's a good reminder, there were three things. First, it would be a sign among you. It is to be a, a sign that, that you are remembering what God had did, did, a provision that God had provided for you. Now listen to the second one. When your children ask, tell them. When your children ask, tell them. In other words, you need to teach them this, and by teaching, they are going to be grateful, and they are going to understand what God did for them. Repeat the story of God's faithfulness in your life. Repeat the story of God's faithfulness in your life. Lastly, make a memorial. Never forget. So I want you to just look at that rock for a second. This week, I want you to share more than what you're thankful for. What if you took your reflection a step further and shared a story of where God showed up and answered a prayer and delivered you from a situation. So instead of of saying, 
You know, I'm thankful that we have food here today, which we should be. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've been changing my prayer when, when we pray over our meal instead of, Lord, bless this food. It's, Lord, thank you for providing this food. I mean, if you're eating McDonald's, I don't know how much of a blessing that's going to be. <laughs> okay, just saying. <laughs> thank you that I could have the money to pay for this McDonald's burger, right? Thank you, Lord, for provision. That's what we're doing. And, um, but take it a step further. Maybe it's just to one person. Lord, when is the time that, that you answered a prayer of mine? When, when is it? When is, what, what is some kind of memorial that I have that I can, that the kids will come and say, what is this about? What, what is this? Um, could you put the picture I have up of this, please? So some of you that were here, know about um, our first year here was a rough one for us. <clears throat> Exciting. We, we moved from the Eden Prairie area, um, and we moved up here, three kids, excited, getting them in the school system and everything. And, you know, changes are hard, right? And some of the main changes, you got one kid going to college, so we got that, changing a career. That's a, a big step coming up here. And, and uh we, we moved five times in our first year, five times. And those of you know the story that we bought a house, we're super excited, and some of you brought great housewarming gifts and helped us move. We had a truck sitting out in front of the house in Maple Grove, and, and right when we were closing, somebody said something that hadn't been disclosed, but the money had been transferred, but there, that there had been mold in the house, and that it was all covered up with paint. And we thought, well, maybe it was fixed, and my daughter showered, that night, we woke up in the morning, and through the brand new paint, mold started shooting through the new paint. And we couldn't stay in a house. We've got two people with autoimmune things, and we're like, yeah, this, this is bad. And so we went to my sister's. We went to a Chaska motel. We, I mean, we were like all over the place, and we were told this was going to go really quickly. So we found um, a three-month rental that we stayed at. And then it wasn't. And then we, this, then, you know, life goes on. And, and it was a really tough year. It was tough. And I, we started asking, Lord, did we make the wrong choice? Are you telling us, man, this was not it? Or is this the enemy saying, I have a plan for this place. And I'm going to do something here. And I'm putting up every roadblock to try and discourage you. And that's where we decided in our heart, this is, this is the Lord's will. And Satan is trying to discourage us. And we're not going to fold. And through this process, as difficult as it was, we came through it. The Lord brought us through to the other side. The Lord did it. We didn't do anything. We just tried to survive. Okay? It was hard. Okay? I'm not lying. It was hard. But the Lord brought us through. And as he brought us through, he gave us this house. Now, this house, it's a house. That rock in your hand, it's a rock. When you leave, you can put it in the bucket, you can throw it. I don't care. It's a rock. Okay? This is a house. But my sister last year, she did this for the family, and it's not even that much. But look at it. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It's a, somebody that had worked for her. They just took a piece of wood and painted this little picture. All I did was I sent a picture of our house with my phone, and I didn't know what it was for, and then we got this for Christmas. This is not even that expensive. But you know what this is for me? This isn't like, oh, wow, look at our house. This is God delivering us. 
This is a memorial. And, and when people ask about this, this is when God brought us through. This isn't about a house. It's a house. Someday, my kid or grandkid or someone's going to look at it. This house is going to be long gone and sold, most likely. And someone's going to look at this and go, what's this ugly thing? House from the 70s? Why would we want this? I guess it's cool. Oh, 19... Or 2018 from Jason and Ruth? Who's that? There it goes. Let's, let's be honest, right? But for us, this is a memorial. This is something to remember when God answered a prayer in our lives. When he delivered us. How, how do you remember miracles? Do you even remember them? Because if you're anything like me, you go from one prayer to the next, one need to the next. When is the last time that you took rocks and you started to go, and you started to stack them, you pulled it up out of where you were, you put it on your shoulder, like he said to do in Joshua, and you took it out, and you laid it down, you put it somewhere, and you started to stack to remember the things that God has done for you. We are to be people of gratitude. And friends, do not forget it. Do not forget it. He said it's supposed to be a sign among us. We're supposed to tell our kids, tell our next generations about the goodness of God and his miracles. Because that's what it is. The crossing of the Jordan is about God. It is about God taking his people from one side to the next. The miracle's awesome. But God's provision is what the story's about. It is to be a memorial. I found myself, you're going to have to forgive me here, what I'm about to do to you. Hold on. <clears throat> I found myself sitting as I was writing this, singing some old hymns. How many of you guys remember the hymn, Count Your Blessings? How'd they go? Name them one by one. Count your blessings, what the Lord God has done. Right, come on. And then I took it a step further. That's right. There I was in my living room. And I was like, oh, how'd that one go? We give the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. That's right. Some of you are going to be singing that all day. <clears throat> we used to sing. We sing about thanksgiving and, and praise to God. So it, it was a reminder in our, in our heads and in our hearts. Because what, what did she say that you find out that the words end up taking meaning later? We, we sing it, and then all of a sudden it's like, we give the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. The thanksgiving begins to become overwhelming. Now, I didn't really know there could be a dark side to gratitude, but there actually is. And it, it's, it's found in 2 Kings chapter 18. And Hezekiah, king of, um, or I'll just start reading verse 1. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, 
king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Verse 4, he removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut out cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. So Hezekiah is one of the few kings who led righteously. He was a righteous king. And they're talking about breaking things down. What are these high places? Well, these were places that were in dedication to, to other gods. Small g. And, and the idea is if you can get up higher, then you have a better chance of, of maybe reaching God. If you, if you can you know, burn your incense or have your sacrifices at these high places. And these poles, these Asherah poles were, were like um, stones or faces and they, or sticks and they were designed and they were put into the ground and they, they were signs and symbols of, of other gods and, and goddesses. And so clearly, the king before allowed these practices to happen. And Hezekiah wasn't afraid of Israel coming at him and being angry. He tore these high places down. He broke down these poles. And then he took it a step further. And this is where gratitude can have a little bit of a dark place. Look at that, the last verse, if you, if you have it up there, Sheila, for me. Israelites had been burning incense to the bronze snake that Moses had made. And if, for those of you that are familiar, in Numbers 21, in the desert, as Israel was being brought through by Moses, there came this time of, guess what? grumbling. There was no gratitude. There was no thankfulness. God had supplied water. He had supplied manna. Manna was this thing that they didn't know how to describe. And some interpretations say manna's interpretation is what is it? Because they didn't know what they were eating. But God had this manna that sustained Israel. And they started to grumble, and they said, it was better in Egypt. It was better under the thumb of Pharaoh. I mean, Pharaoh had them as slaves working from morning to night. He killed their children. He killed them with whatever whim that he had. And they were saying, we want to go back there. This is the definition of ungratefulness. So time has passed. And well, when, during this time of ungratefulness, God had enough. I think he was kind of like me in the kitchen where I started looking up pictures on Google Images for my children, he had enough, and he allowed deadly snakes to go through. And Moses cried out to God, and, and God had him make a bronze pole with a serpent around it. And, he, and God said, whoever looks on this is going to be saved. Now, if you look in the back of the ambulance, if any ambulance that goes by, you look in the back windows, and you'll see this symbol. It is a symbol of healing. And so what happened? Those who looked on it were saved. Well, what happened generations later? Now it's not a sign of, wow, look at God's provision. Look, look at this. It's a, it's a remember what, what he had done for us. 
it became a God itself. They, they began to worship a miracle that God had provided instead. And, and I was thinking about this, and I was like, Lord, do we do this? How do we do this? And I started thinking of, sometimes we think of methods and things that worked before, and we hold on to them so dearly. We hold on to something that worked at one point in our life that meant a lot to us, and we hold on to it so tightly that we almost create an idol out of it. I'm not going to name anything because I don't, I don't think that we really need to. You, the Lord can do that with you yourself, right? Because maybe, I, I think that there can be a dark side to gratitude, that it goes from a moment of, wow, Lord, thank you for your provision, but then it becomes about the method or the process or the thing. It, it was, it's not about this house. It's, it's this house. It's a rock. You're holding on to a rock. There's nothing special about the rock. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It, it might be time for some of us to build altars of gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done and remember that we always look to the one who gives the gifts, not the gifts themselves. Lastly, there is a uh, very famous and popular story about a guy named Jacob, whose actual name meant deceiver because of what he made the name. He had um, tricked his dad into thinking he was his brother. He tricked his brother out of his birthright. He's now on the run because his brother Esau is about to kill him. And he left, and he's by himself, and <clears throat> he didn't pack a pillow so he packed a pillow, and, or found a pillow. <clears throat> and so he looked for it, and he found something. He goes, okay, this will, this will make do for the night. Hopefully I can set it on here without breaking my table here. And he falls asleep, and as he is sleeping, something happens. And some of you know the, the term Jacob's Ladder. And in this moment, as he is sleeping, it is like a super highway to heaven. He is, he is seeing angels go up and down and up and down. Now, why do angels need a ladder? They probably don't. My guess is he just saw them going up and down, and in his human brain, he's thinking, well, you go up and down on a ladder, right? Anyway, there's this super highway going on, and God reveals to him. He opens up his eyes, and then God begins to make promises to him about his future. Now, friends, I hope this encourages you. That first, I can carry a heavy rock. That should really encourage you. <laughs> that in that moment, he was on the run for deceiving his dad and his brother. Think of this. There is no mention of God talking about that situation. God is only interested in his future. Now, if, if I were inside of your head right now, which I'm glad I'm not, but if I were, and, and I were to ask an honest answer about maybe a time that you went to the Lord or you're, you're thinking about a moment with God, I bet you that your past and things that you've done come up quickly. 
well, I'm sorry, or I, I, maybe you can't approach God because you have to get things right in your life first. He had no interest in this. God was looking at the future of Jacob, who was to be and renamed Israel. He saw Jacob as Israel. He didn't see Jacob as his past. And for you today, I don't know where you are and the things that you're working through, but I want you to know that God is looking at you for your future. God is looking at who you are to become in him. And in this moment, Jacob wakes up, and I, I can't even imagine what, what he was doing. And, and it says that he made the rock that, that he was sleeping on. And I don't know if he turned it upright like this. And he poured oil on it. Why would you pour oil on it? He's not cooking, right? He, it, it was a, a symbol of, of separation. It was a, a symbol of holiness. When, when a king... Um, was, was going to be crowned king in, in Israel, they, the priests would come and anoint their head with oil. They are separate among us. And, and he looked at this place and he said, this is the very place of God. This is Bethel. This is the house of the Lord. And, and, he, and he, he made it into a pillar. Now, the rock that he slept on and this had nothing holy about it. It was not about the rock. And, and, and if... If Israel there came, they would, the people probably would have said, oh, this rock is holy. This is the rock his head was on where he had the dream. It's not about this. It is a symbol. It's, it's, to be, it's supposed to remind them. And so when they traveled back, he would see this is Bethel. This is the house of the Lord. They, he renamed the city Luz from Luz to Bethel. This is the house of the Lord. We are not to make the miracle about the miracle, we're supposed to make it about God. Is it possible for you this week, in the next coming weeks, to take some time and start writing them out? And, and is there a way for you around your house? This is just some silly ideas, but maybe have something in your yard. If someone goes, oh, what's that about? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what it's about. Maybe something in your house, a picture. Oh, what is, where's this picture? Well, let me tell you. There's a story that goes with that. And, and maybe if you're like me, you need to write things on the back. Because then you can go, hold on. Oh, yeah. Gratitude is our best first step towards Christmas. And it is central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you please stand? God is good all the time. That's right. We just take a minute. I just, just take a minute, and I just want you to thank the Lord. If you want to lift up your hands, if you just want to just start thinking of answered prayers, of places where he's brought you from. In a way, we're all like Israel. We start in one place and we're going through the desert of life and we are sometimes having really bad attitudes. And during this time, the Lord shows up, brings provisions along the way and sometimes it doesn't take long and 
we get our water, we get our food, and then all of a sudden here we are complaining again. Heavenly Father, I pray that we can be people of gratitude. Lord, I pray that we can be more than thankful and appreciative, Lord. But Lord, we can teach our children where we were and where you brought us. Lord, I pray that we can share your testimony of where you've brought us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.